Good morning, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Back podcast. I'm your host, TYC, ready to get things going with episode 10 of the podcast. I apologize for skipping last week. I'd come down with a cold of some sort, couldn't really talk very well, was very congested, wouldn't have been a pleasant listening experience to say the least. And I also had ample amounts of schoolwork to take care of. So it just wasn't an ideal week for me. I apologize again. And we'll make up for it with this week's episode. We'll take a dive into this past weekend's games and the chaos that ensued this past Tuesday with Upset City. So we'll roll the intro. Without further ado, get right into it. On his second straight in overtime, Salcido down the alley to the middle. Tromboli in traffic, shoots! seconds left. Stotts is going to have to let it fly. He checks the clock. Rice with one. Oh! It's over! Rice to Donahue! Ball game! Gate behind the back and the shot to go by Greg Burns and get the assist to Paul Gate with a nice behind the back pass to Burns. With speed. Oh! The catch and behind the back release. It's unbelievable. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again. We're here with episode 10 of the BTB podcast. We're going to begin with just running through the new top 20 that dropped on Monday. Um, I know it was very, uh, very much on the calendars of everybody. Uh, in the lacrosse world, waiting to see where Princeton and others alike were going to be ranked after some big, big games this past weekend. So first we have Yale uh, as the number one, obviously. They took down number one Penn State. They're now 2-0. and It was a 12-10 game. Yale looked Yale looked very good. They uh, played played a good game, for what I understand. It was pretty cold. Um, wasn't that pretty. It was very much a battle. Pretty Wilson, uh, the goalkeeper, only coming up with eight saves, allowing ten for for Yale. Um, not an, not an incredible performance. Meanwhile, Colby Nice, Kenise, I'm sorry, had 16 saves, basically doubled him in that factor, and had a much better percentage. Although they lost 12-10, it was pretty balanced scoring on both ends. Uh, you had two goals with three from three different players on both teams and then the rest of the team scoring one goal each. Grant Amend got his five assists as per usual. Uh Yale, yeah, Matt Gaudet probably finishing some in tight. Matt Brandaw getting two. He's a sophomore or junior now. Uh very good. Chris Fake getting a goal, also doing his best against Grant Amend, I guess, but clearly there's nothing you can really do to limit him going one and five. Mac O'Keefe getting two goals as well. Goal scorer, score goals. And Yale comes out 12 to 10. TD went 16 of 26 versus Gerard Arceri. So not overwhelmingly uh, dominant, but certainly still very much in favor. And that definitely played a part in Yale. And that's what played a part in them taking down Penn State last year. Mind you now, Yale is 3-0 and versus Penn State in their last three games, going back to 2019 and now this year. I was unable to watch this game, so I can't truly get the narrative, but last year it was simply just about outgunning them and getting more possessions on offense because now that's such a huge deal with the shot clock and and obviously face-offs being such a, a controversial topic. But like I said, pretty balanced scoring on both sides, and Yale's now um, 
got Penn State's number to say the least. So if these teams meet up again, that's definitely going to be a narrative moving forward. But Yale, new number one, Penn State drops down to three. I'm sorry, number two. And um, that's where they stand. They lost to Yale. Now they're three and one, and they play Penn next. That's a huge game coming up, especially with the Ivy now looking dangerous as ever. Number three is going to be Notre Dame, and I had some question marks next to this one. I have no idea why they're ranked this high. Quite frankly, they just beat unranked Richmond, so they're now two and zero. Oh. They played two games. They played Cleveland State in their opener, and they have them ranked third in the nation. And I need to see them do a lot more to be that high above the teams below them. They play Maryland next. That'd be a safe bet. If they could take down the Terps, um, I think it'd be safe to put them up, you know, in the top seven or so. But third place is way too high for the me. I mean, they're they're a good team, don't get me wrong. I know talent is talent, whether regardless of who they played or not. Um, they took down Richmond pretty handedly, but still two wins, especially this early. Three is really high for me. Uh, I've, yet, I've yet to watch their game. I wasn't able to watch their game versus Richmond. So I'll definitely be tuning into the Maryland game, and I can get a better diagnosis of this fighting Irish team. Number four is Cuse. They just beat Army, who was ranked ninth and seventh in the media poll. Um, but this is Army following that huge loss to Marist, which I'm sure you have is all over on Twitter, um, which I'm sure you saw my, my friend who's on the Marist team. Led the way with seven points. Jameson number. He's a beast. Got Mac player, offensive player of the week. Uh, Cuse is playing Hobart next, so I'd like to think Cuse comes out on top. So they're going to advance to 4-0, um, and that's maybe the Cuse fan talking inside of me instead of an objective uh, podcast or journalist speaking here. But Cuse takes down Army in a rather unconvincing fashion, 9-7 to after UNC, after, wow, Army, not UNC, got walloped by Maris 17-9. to So they scored vastly less goals, and you could make an argument that Syracuse is one of the best offenses in the nation. And they had to come back in, in, in similar fashion to that 2017 team that just kept winning one-goal games, kept coming back and just getting it done. But it definitely showed some heart to come back and beat them there. Army always goes and plays really well in the Dome. And Cuse did that. They ended up coming back. They were down by, I think, three or so in the third or fourth quarter. And they got it done. But going down to Army like that, and none of the attackmen on Syracuse registering a point. Griffin Cook, Chase Scanlon, and Stephen Rafis, all zero points. Jamie Trimboli led the way from the midfield with five goals, which was just beasting out. I mean, the guy's incredible. He's a senior. He's really definitely leading that offensive unit from the midfield perspective. And that showed uh, he single-handedly basically kept them in that game. Tucker Dordovic and I think um, Brennan Curry got in on the action. I'm trying to find the stats here. may take me a second. But otherwise, yeah, no, an all-midfield scoring, nine goals. And Trimboli le- le- leading the way, and which, which was just really great to see. I was also unable to watch this game. I had a club game of my own this weekend, came out with the win, so – Guess it wasn't all a waste. Brendan Curry, I was correct. Two goals, two assists. So for four points, and David Lipka and Tucker Dordovic both getting a goal. Drake Porter just playing out of his mind. 18 saves, seven goals allowed, 72% on the day. Wyatt Schulper played very well as well. 16 saves for the Black Knights, nine goals allowed, 64% on the day. Two really good um, goalkeeping performances, but Drake Porter is just playing game after game, just looking more and more like De- what could be the ACC's best goaltender. Yeah, I think he's definitely giving Rhodes a run for his money this season. 
Now, yeah, you see Rhodes got 55 saves in four games. Porter's got 41 in three games. So, you know, I think an extra game Porter could take out, could to, uh, could pull out the, uh, 14 saves to sort of even that out. Uh, but Porter's got 62% in those three games to Rhodes 53. And whether you want to say that extra game makes a difference or not, I mean, sure. But I think this is definitely going to be fun to watch. And Drake Porter is just is, is definitely anchoring this Q's defense and being very fun to watch in the process. So like I say, Q's is up next versus Hobart on Friday. Uh, big annual game they got, and they're 3-0. So we'll see how they uh, – I think they're going to float around this top five, top seven rankings for most of the season unless they really start to drop some games. They've definitely got a good stretch coming up. They've got Hopkins, Rutgers, Duke. And then the second half of the season, which I tweeted out earlier today, is just blasphemy. I think it's probably the hardest uh, second-half schedule in the entire NCAA. They got as of March 28th or March 22nd, right after that Rutgers game, they go Duke, Notre Dame, at Albany, at Cornell – hosting Carolina, and then at Virginia. The ACC speaks for itself in that regard, but even throwing in teams like Albany and Cornell makes it no easier. So that's definitely going to be a battle-tested Q's team by the end of the season. Next up is Princeton at five, and although I totally get the upset of Virginia, and while that was an awesome game, I watched pretty much the whole thing, and Princeton really did look legit. They honestly looked four goals better than the defending national champions, I think their their biggest storyline was their goalie. I mean, uh, Eric Peterson playing out of his mind. I think he had, um, what did he finish with, 17 saves? Something along those lines. He's going to have to keep up playing like that if, if the Tigers want to have some success this season, especially with the game they have, the games they have coming up next. Uh, they've got Hopkins, Rutgers, Penn, and then Yale. So that's going to be huge. And obviously they're in conference play with the Ivy as competitive as ever with Cornell sort of showing that they're still here and obviously Penn and Yale not changing any much from last year. So that's going to be tough. Uh, Eric Peters, I'm sorry, not Peterson, just stepped up in that game. I mean, Virginia couldn't score anything low on him for like the first half of the game. It was really, really remarkable to watch. And Michael Sowers getting 14 points, 11 points in the first two games versus questionable opponents shows out with eight going four and four against the defending national chip championship uh team just just balling out late in late in the shot clock they give him the ball he makes something happen and and this is again no pushover this is one of the best teams in the entire entire country and just showed out just showed you you know like you remember me i'm up there in points every year but i'm on the lowly princeton team that struggles in the ivy well not this year they are they definitely look very very good on offense and we're certainly holding their own on defense. And like I said, uh, if, if Peters can keep it up in net, they're going to have uh, they're going to have to they're going to give some trouble to some teams. And a bold prediction now is talking with my brother. Uh, if Sowers is able to get Princeton to win the Ivy tournament, or and or subsequently just get into the tournament, make it to the second round or so, he might just have to get the towards on. And I and I understand that might be tough if Penn State goes to the finals and they win or if Yale goes to the finals and they win and you give it to TD or you give it to Grant Amend. But, man, oh, man, I mean, this guy's been a finalist for the last two years. And if this year, if they put it together finally for him, and considering he's been a finalist in the past when they've done nothing, if they if, he, if they have any kind, of, any kind of big success, I think he's got to be the one that they give it to. And that's another storyline to watch out for. 
because he's here to stay and he's gonna he's gonna keep it up his senior year. So next up is Virginia at six. Um, and my last point about Princeton before we move on is I thought five was a little high. I know Virginia was number two, but you look at team, the other sort of upsets that happened in terms of teams dropping far and teams rising up a little bit. I thought Princeton going from unranked to five was a little much considering, you know, Marist beats Army and they get to 19. I'm not really, and in dominant fashion, I don't want to blow it up. You know, because I like Maris, but I'm just saying in the instance of the number nine team losing to an unranked team um, drops much further and Virginia goes down just a few spots and then Princeton rises all the way up to five. It was a little like it was a lot. I think seven or eight I would have been totally okay with. I just think five is really high. I think Virginia could probably deserve to still be five um, or even a, a Maryland. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's tough because it was definitely a very, very well-earned win, and it was the defending national champs and number two team. But we'll move on. Virginia, number six, lost to Princeton, as we were just talking about. So they're now two and one, but they just beat High Point last night in a barn burner. Uh, very close shootout, 18 to 15. Uh, so they're now three and one. They'll play Air Force next. Uh, you talk about stat lines in that game. Um, let me pull them up here. It was absurd. First of all, on Virginia, you got Kraus going five and two, Peyton Cormier going four and one, Matt Moore going two and six, and then Jared Connors, the pole, getting on the action, two goals and one assist. Uh, pretty ridiculous, I'd say. Um, that just proves that the off that this offense hasn't really changed much from last year. They've got the firepower all over, especially Cormier coming out of nowhere now as a freshman, a redshirt freshman. Kid is a beast. Pretty much re- replaces a, a Ryan Conrad, maybe not in the in the do it all aspect of defense and ground balls and all that, but this kid can definitely get on the offensive side of the ball that they lost with Conrad. And how about High Point? I mean, they're one in four, really tough start to the season. Uh, I would say that defense and, and offense at times is their issue, but also putting up 15 to Virginia and losing is not really something you're going to complain about. Uh, you know, Devin Bugshot, I mean, this kid quite literally shot onto the map with this game. Five goals and one assist, and just the way he was doing it. Uh, he had a one goal I got called off because he stepped in the crease. Otherwise, it would have been a pushing call and one, and the goal would have counted. He would have had six goals. This is a, this is a redshirt freshman from IMG who's from upstate New York, uh, basically a native from what I've gathered. He, he's rocking the ponytail. I was looking up some info on him online after just just has that creative aspect, um, similar to Hoka and those all those other guys that go to IMG or other really good places from uh, from the reservations. Five and one, leaving the team in points. Asher Nolting actually tying him. I'm sorry with six points, going one and five. So they flip flop there. Usually Nolting the one putting up uh, goals. Uh, they got some contributions from the midfield. Just a good game and. Parker Green, again, 15 saves. He allowed 18. It's tough. I feel like this is going to be the narrative all season. Um, Alex Road getting 11 saves with 15 allowed. So neither goalie really doing very well. I mean, it was an 18-15 game, so what can you expect? But Parker Green, I mean, he leads the nation in saves. He's got 72 through uh, the first five games now. Keep in mind, he, he was up there in the beginning of the season when I was throwing out 
uh, he had something absurd, like 20-some saves against uh, Maryland when they hung 22 or 23 on them in that first game. So obviously he's had, he's had games like that with Maryland and then Cornell last week going 20-plus. Um, but simply just would have been a lot worse without him between the nets. So I guess High Point can really only ask that much of him. Um, but that'll be something to watch, you know, throughout the season as well. 72 saves. Right behind him is Braden Host of Air Force. Remember, I was talking about him a bunch in the last episode. He had 38 in two games. Uh, he's still up there right behind him. And um, High Point, definitely not the season they've been imagining, but they had they definitely scheduled a very similar uh, campaign as they did last year with just lots of talented teams. And they took down Virginia last year, so what more can you ask for this season? You can't win them all, but... Definitely a very entertaining game. I wasn't able to watch the end of it because I practice, but I remember catching the score from a, a buddy of mine on the team because uh, he had been watching it right before we left as well. Devin Buckshot, keep an eye out for him. High point still definitely being able to contend for the SOCON. So next up is actually uh, UNC for seven, and I'm going to start to go through these a little quicker. UNC at seven I think is a fair shot. Uh, in the media poll, they were fourth which I thought was ridiculous. I mean, they they really have only beaten Hopkins and they've they played no one else very very like really anyone else that's very valid. I mean, they're 4-0, so you know the record is the record. Four wins, zero losses. Uh, and they beat Hopkins pretty well. I mean, Chris Gray, Jesus. I mean, eight goals and one assist. I mean, absolutely manhandling the Hopkins defense and I'm not really sure what their game plan was, but like at least five of his goals were wide open time and room shots. Um, it was it was pretty remarkable. I didn't know that he could shoot like this, and I, I don't think most people did because it definitely seemed like a coming out game in that regard. I mean, people, they were definitely treating him as a, as a feeder. I've always viewed him as a very good feeder from behind the cage. He was playing up top for most of it, just getting these skip looks and just hammering these shots. I mean, at 5'7", 170, this kid's got a heater. Um, definitely showing he's got way more in his arsenal than people believe. And eight goals and one assist, doubling his total that he had for the whole season so far in three games. Really, really remarkable. He's third in points now at 27, I believe. Yep, he's 27th behind Grant Ament and Michael Sowers. So he's going to have to keep that up. The offense is definitely going to have to keep that up if this team wants to compete. They've sort of got a soft schedule. Still competitive, but... Definitely more soft up until sort of the second half. Similar to Syracuse, I think they might give them a run for their money in terms of a second half um, challenge in their roster. They've got uh, Denver next, so that's a good challenge. I think um, that'll be definitely another game to prove themselves offensively and come out with a win. But otherwise, they've got Furman, Bryant, Georgetown, who's who's, uh, firepower so far, scoring a lot of goals. I think 18 and a half a game or something. Then Dartmouth. But then their last six or five are Maryland, Duke, Virginia, Cuse, and Notre Dame. So obviously that same ACC uh, stretch as Syracuse, and they also play Maryland. So that's uh, that's going to be, hopefully, if they're ready by then, that's gonna what's going to be their proving ground going into the tournament. So next up is number eight, and that's going to be Maryland. So they dropped four spots after losing to Villanova. In a tight game, that was the obviously the other big upset that happened this past week or the week before that. 
they're now three and one. They'll play Maryland, or I'm sorry, Notre Dame. Like I said, next that was a great game last year. I think it was overtime. They played in the bubble over at uh, Notre Dame. But this Villanova game, I was unable to watch because it was locked on the Villanova portal again, which is really annoying. But Maryland destroyed on faceoffs, seventeen to twenty-nine. Uh, Villanova had nothing to go for them. They had they had two or three guys try it out uh, to try to shake things up, but they they couldn't beat they could not beat Connor Calderon at all. Uh, Maryland, though, interestingly enough, twenty-one turnovers and eleven of those caused by the Villanova defense or midfielders, whoever, but Villanova only turning it over 13 times, so they won that battle, and uh, otherwise GBs were even, but, you know, in terms of loose balls and possession battles sort of things, but turnovers were vastly in favor of Villanova by eight, uh, and caused turnovers, uh, Villanova edging them out 11-7. to seven. So, so clearly giving Villanova back the ball plenty of times and giving them those opportunities to sort of possess and then score and and keep this game even. I mean, Villanova is also no pushover of a team. I mean, they played they played some great teams so far. They started off with Penn State losing by nine, but they scored ten. They lost to Yale eighteen twelve, uh, and now they just beat Maryland. And then they actually just beat Hofstra uh, that following this past Saturday ten to eight. So they're sort of on a roll now. After after getting this win, they played Delaware next, which should be a really good game actually with Delaware now. Uh, cracking the rankings. Or actually, I'm sorry, they just lost to St. Joe's, so they're out of the rankings. But that should still be a good game. But Villanova's got the offense. I mean, clearly, we'll look at the stats here from the game. Um, Connor Kirst with three goals, two assists. Patrick Daly, three goals. Keegan Kahn, two goals, three assists. Um, you know, a couple guys with a good amount of points. Um, Maryland, you know, was now just got his points. He got four goals. Bernhardt got three goals, but for the most part, those guys limited. Anthony DeMeo getting only three assists with one goal. Daniel Maltz only one goal, who recently just had five, leading that comeback over Penn. Uh, so Villanova definitely had a game plan going into this. Goaltending was pretty pretty similar. 12, sa- 12 saves and 14, sa- 14 saves for the Villanova got- keeper. Brandau for Maryland getting 12. Uh, it was pretty even in that regard, but really just seemed like those turnovers were killing uh, Maryland. And Villanova able to take down the top dog. I'm sure that was pretty electric for them. And uh, they're going to use that as some energy going forward. Maryland, that's got to be tough. I mean, you saw how close they played Richmond. I mean, they went to double overtime with a solid team, pretty comparable team, I'd say, in Richmond. And, you know, they looked a little human in that regard. They were down by five to Penn. They looked human. They came back and won. They're still a great program, but I think at some point one of these games was going to get to them, and it definitely did in this regard. So hats off to Villanova for pulling it off, and Maryland drops four spots. I'm fine with them being at eight. I think they don't really leave the top ten this season unless they drop another bad loss, but they're they're still a great team, not be messed with. They, they've got a very, very scary offense when they're trying their best. Number nine's Penn. Uh, they just beat Duke as a pretty big win. That make that drops Duke to two and two, um, and now they're one and one. Penn after losing that heartbreaker to to Maryland, so they could very well be two and zero oh against two top ten opponents at the times. Uh, and Penn Penn really not looking like they've like they've lost a beat since last year losing Simon Mathias. They've still got a great offense. Sam Hanley, Sean Lully, 
just beasting it out. They've got a good face-off guy. They're playing Penn State next, and that's going to be an outstanding game. Uh, it was last year in the in the in the playoffs, so I can't wait for that that rematch. Number ten is Cornell. Totally contend with them being here. That's where I had them in the preseason. I think they hang out here until they beat a really um, sort of a very solid, legit team. They're playing Ohio State next, who's 18th, uh, who's also three and zero, or who's I'm sorry, they're three and one. But Bucknell was def- uh, undefeated. Uh, they were three and zero, so Ohio State's coming in after a solid win. Cornell just handled High Point by a very fair margin, and before that, beating Albany by a very good margin. So Cornell's definitely got the offense, and they had a pretty ridiculous game with High Point. I have the stats here: John Piatelli getting six goals, no assists, just straight down the throats. Uh, Michael Long, four goals, three assists for seven points. Jeff Teat, three goals, four assists, seven points. Jonathan Donville, two goals, three point, three assists, five points. Um, they just balled out. Um, High Point only putting up 11, Cornell 21. So they're 3-0. and uh, Goalie played solid. Um, I think I think faceoffs are still an issue for them. I, I believe that was what I was looking at in the preseason and sort of their defense, but uh, that's a good game, especially High Point putting up 15 now against Virginia. Um, I think Cornell Cornell's looking legit, and that was sort of what I was looking to get out of them this year. I, I wanted them to sort of, you know, come back after last year, sort of being up and down and not really knowing what's good because the year prior they were a great team. I think they had like two two or three losses at most when they took down Cuse in the playoffs. So I'm glad to see they're back up to speed, and this will be a good game now with Ohio State this weekend. And uh, they're at 10. Uh, I like where that is. Um, I'm going to check really quickly what their schedule is coming up. So it actually goes Ohio State, Penn State, Yale, Penn. So they sort of get that that Ivy stretch right in the middle of their schedule rather than towards the end, although they still have Princeton, Brown, and Harvard uh, three out of their last four games. But they've they've got a really tough stretch here coming up. So if they come out of this even 6-2 and or – Five and two, I think they'll be in really good shape if they can beat Penn State or Penn or Yale, um, if they can beat Ohio State, get two out of these four games or even three, or obviously all of them would be great. Um, They can definitely do some damage in the rankings here coming up. Big, big stretch for the Big Red. No pun intended there. Uh, Number 11 is Duke. Like I just just said, they lost to Penn. Now they're two and two. They'll play Richmond next. Last year, that was a a close game uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And I think they played during the season. I think that was two years ago, maybe. But Duke sort of just got to get back on track here. Uh, they they got offensive pieces. They've got you know they've got Tyler Carpenter. They've got some sort of LSM and, and defensive guys. Um, I don't know what they've been doing with with their goalies. I'm gonna try to find Duke really quickly. Um, because yeah, um, as far as I'm concerned, the last episode I was bringing up how they've they've been splitting goalie time. I think Turner Upgren and and someone else I'm forgetting. I think Calabrese have been splitting some reps or Bonafidi. I'm sorry, not Calabrese. Um, yeah, it's sort of odd. Andrew Bonafidi. I remember split time during Air Force, and then the next game they did the same thing. I might Turner Upgren might have played the whole the whole game the la- um, last time this past week. Um, I wasn't able to actually check that. I'll have to do some more in, in uh, some research. Maybe I'll put a tweet out. But um, Duke, 
they, I feel like they've always had rough starts and everyone always makes that argument. They're kind of like the Patriots. It's, you know, they'll have some wild loss in September, October, and then they don't lose a game the rest of the season. But I don't know. Something is a little off about the, this Duke team. They definitely seem way more human than years past. And, you know, they're sitting at 11. I don't think they deserve to be much lower. They're still Duke. Um, they can very easily come back and have a really good game against Richmond. The fellow ACC opponent, Notre Dame, just played them pretty well and won. So I think they're definitely going to want to, you know, compete and come out for that one. So 12th is Denver. Uh, they just beat Cleveland State. They're 3-1. and one. They got UNC next, like I was talking about earlier. So that should be a great game. Um, you know, I'm okay with them being where they are. You know, they've lost. Uh, they lost one. They haven't really played anybody significant yet, Denver. Um, and the only team they did was losing to Duke. So, um, yeah, that's 12. Denver 13's Loyola. They just edged out Rutgers uh, just before playing Towson today uh, and winning again. So now they're 3-1. and one. They'll play Lafayette next. I think Loyola's starting to show that they have a really solid defense, some good pulls, and their offense is slowly but surely coming out um, and sort of coming into their own and figuring out how this sort of dynamic is going to work this year after losing so many stars in the offseason. 14 is going to be Georgetown. And like I was mentioning before, just a lot of just a lot of goal scoring so far. They, they beat Fairfield by, I think, two touchdowns. They played another team. I think just today they played the Mount. So now they're 4-0. Um, you know, similar to UNC, they're 4-0 regardless of who they played. You know, talent is talent. You know, they, they've got two guys on the top of the leaderboards for, for stats, for goals, I believe. Let me check here really quickly. Yeah, they've got Dylan Watson and Jake Carey with 18 and 17. Basically, first and second, considering Mac O'Keefe's tied for first with 18. The, the two top goal scorers in the country so far are on Georgetown. Um, and they're they're just balling out. Carraway's got 26 points, so he's fourth in the nation in points in itself. Um, Georgetown, just just all offense. I'm, I'm interested to see after losing Brandau in net um, to Maryland in the offseason, how they've been doing goaltending-wise and, and uh, defensively. But they definitely got some offense here. Uh, some other middies and attackmen contributing. They've scored, like I said, I think almost 18 and a half or 19. Playing Bellarmine next, and then they got Towson, UNC, Marquette, Denver, Providence, Loyola, Villanova, Utah, St. John's. That's a solid schedule. The Big East is is okay. I think they probably, with Denver and Villanova, could have a very interesting tournament come playoff time. Um, let's check their goalie really quick. He's a junior. He's got 35 saves. That's okay through four games, but 56 save percentage, which is solid. But yeah, Georgetown, they're at um, they're at 14. I think that's fine. Uh, they're 4-0, like I said. Um, let's see how they do against a, uh, a solid opponent, though. 15, you got Army, obviously losing to unranked Marist, and then number six, Cuse. Uh, they're now 3-2, and two, definitely seeming to come back down to earth in terms of their defensive prowess and goal-scoring abilities. Um, they're still a good team. You definitely uh, you can't look past them. They're very, very gritty. They just played Cuse way down to the wire and almost beat them. Cuse had to come back dramatically to win. But Army uh, definitely took a hit in the rankings, going from ninth all the way to 15th. And uh, they play Holy Cross next, so maybe they can get their feet under them um, with a solid win uh, there to move forward. 16, I've got uh, – they have Lehigh – 
who just beat VMI by three, which was probably one of the most shocking scores I checked when I was looking at the box scores. Uh, but they came out on top there, and then they handled NJIT. So now they're three and one after beating Utah and losing to Virginia. So they've got Navy next. That could be a solid game, but I think Lehigh comes out on top there. And uh, they're sort of an in, they're an interesting team. Uh, they were playing very they were playing good against Virginia. Virginia was just you know just able to outgun them pretty much. But they've got some great faceoff guys. They've got this freshman Tommy Schelling. Who's up there in uh, in points? He's sixth in points with 23 right now. He um, definitely talented. They've got that kid Andrew Pettit too, who came back from injury. Um, they could sneak in a, an interesting game this year for sure. They almost had it versus Virginia, but we'll see how they do against Navy. That could be definitely worth watching. 17's Villanova, like we said, beat Maryland. Solid game. They've got Delaware next. 18's Ohio State. Uh, they just beat undefeated Bucknell. Um, so now they're Ohio State's three and one. They'll play Cornell next. Like I said, that game is I think Sunday. That should be a really good one. Marist, who just beat Army, shoots up to nineteen from being unranked and getting votes. They just actually beat Hartford I think yesterday. So now they're three and one, and they've got Bucknell on deck. So that could be a really solid win um, uh, to take down Bucknell. And um, from what I was looking at, the rest of their schedule, Marist could definitely win out the rest of their schedule. They've got. Delaware and Utah, the only sort of asterisks. Um, but otherwise, I think the rest of their games are winnable. So Marist may be hanging around in this bottom five of the, of the rankings for the rest of the year. You never know. And 20 is St. Joe's after beating ranked Delaware. They're 3-1. and one. They play Monmouth next. Um, you know, we saw Monmouth get shelled by Princeton and, and Sowers the other day. So we'll see if St. Joe's can hang around there and uh, maybe remain in that 20 spot next week. Otherwise, in terms of just, um, that's going to do it for the rankings, at least uh, 1 through 20 for this week. Definitely some uh, a lot of names shifting around. Princeton's at number 5. We'll see if they're still there after playing Hopkins. And um, as far as the rest of the sort of just storylines go, covered most of them. You know, Drake Porter just keeping keep on balling out. Um, I think um, to go back to that Army Cuse game, actually, just looking at it quickly, um, in terms of that game, um, you know, like I've already, you know, reiterated now, Cuse having to come back and win that game. But, you know, how much does that say about the Marist win over Army? I mean, Army, it was an away game uh, for Army as well for Cuse, like versus Syracuse and Marist. You know, Cuse was home in the Dome. That's about as big of biggest of an advantage as you could get. Many coaches and players agree. Playing there is not fun. Um, so it was a home game for Cuse and they uh, certainly did not look as well as uh, as Maris did, and and as much as you want to call it a trap game, I'm not much. I'm not very sure you can call it a trap game after playing after going and winning 17 to nine. I mean, you don't just like mistakenly win 17 to nine. And uh, again, don't want to sound biased because I have relations to Maris, but still, I mean, if, if it's any team, I, I don't really consider that a trap game if if you're winning by eight. And holding one of the hottest teams in the country to well below their scoring average and scoring almost quadruple what they what they had given up so far in the year um, per game. So, I mean, I don't know. I I think that Mar- the Maris team is is something to look out for in, in terms of comparing it to the Cuse matchup. I mean, none of the attackmen scored. That's kind of insane. And considering everyone across the board on Maris was able to score. Um, 
I don't know. I think that's just an interesting comparison. Had Arm had Cuse lost, it would look even better on Maris' part. So I think for it to be a two-goal game like that, and Cuse have to come back and win, it's uh, it's not too far off from that. Um, you know, Cornell, as I'd mentioned, looking sharp against High Point, uh, who just took Virginia down to the wire. So I definitely want to see Cornell keep this up um, and play this well against Ohio State. Uh, coming up this weekend, and Yale's your new um, Yale's your new number one, taking down Penn State, and you know we'll have to see uh, we'll have to see how they can keep it up. I know Penn State was number one for most of the season last year. Loyola came in for a few weeks, and then Virginia ended up just taking it all from from them. So we'll see if a men can can bounce back here in a big game versus their in-state rival Penn and uh, get them back up there in the rankings. But for now, your Bulldogs are number one, just like they were two years ago. Um, As far as uh, just wrapping this up, in terms of games to watch, uh, we're going to go Villanova versus Delaware. I already mentioned that earlier. Uh, Maryland versus Notre Dame. Like I said, overtime game last year uh, when they played indoors. uh, That was really fun to watch. Um, Princeton at Hopkins, obviously, and then Penn at Penn State, like I just left off talking about. All really good games. Hopefully all of them are visible on ESPN or ESPN Plus or even Stadium or something along those lines. But definitely four really good games um, I'm looking forward to watching if I can. I know I've got two more games this weekend, so if those don't interfere, I will be tuning in for sure. That's just going to about do it for this week's episode. I apologize for being on the shorter side. Again, these are the really just the notes I gathered from this past week and a half. Again, I was sort of all over the place mentally and being sick, so not in the greatest state of mind and wasn't able to watch as much as I would have liked, but we will change that for this weekend. We'll get back on track. I'm going to try to tune into all those games I mentioned just prior that are worth watching, you know, Penn, Maryland, Villanova, and so on. So that's the goal this weekend. Um, I've got games of my own, but if they don't interfere, I'm going to do my best to catch up on those highlights or follow on Twitter. And I get back to you next week with the usual analysis and discussion questions. So I look forward to seeing you there. Hope you enjoyed this one. Peace out.